And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I'm Scott Lingerfeld. I'm the administrative pastor here at Evangel Church, and I have the privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. And this week, I'm excited because we're in week three of a series that we've begun called Infinitely Yours. I'm sorry, Infinitely More. (laughs) I have been uh, wrestling with that all week long, wanting to say that, so I did say it. So there you go. But it is called Infinitely More. And over the last two weeks, we've actually seen and discovered how God has prepared for each and every one of us a life of infinitely more. And also, God has called you to live a life of infinitely more. Now, what does that mean? A a life of infinitely more means a life that uh, uh, is beyond anything that you could ask or think about. And our main scripture for uh, this whole series has been Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And you'll see it on the screen as I read it this morning. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And the key there is through his mighty power at work within us, we can accomplish more than we could ask or think. How many of you would say this morning, I want infinitely more? And maybe there in the comment section, if you could find one of those uh, hand-raising emojis and put that in there and just declare in that comment section this morning, I want infinitely more from God today. Now, I know that uh, many people will be able to identify with this statement that I'm about to make, but from the time I was a baby, I was in church. Anybody else? From the time you were a baby, you were in church. I was raised in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I feel like that I have seen it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly of church life. But I will tell you that um, when I was 20, I, um, I came to a point in my life when I was bored with church. Now, let me just clarify, I was not bored with God, but I was bored with the church experience that I had coming in each and every week, each and every service, and it just seemed to be the same old, same old. But I want to tell you that the church that I was attending at that time, it wasn't their fault. They were not to blame. The problem lie with my personal experience with God. And so I began to pray, God, I know that there's got to be more to this life that you've called me to. Please, Father, help me to know more, more of your power. God, I want to have more faith in my life. God, I I want to have uh, uh, more passion to live for you. God, I need more in my life. And I want to tell you, honestly, I could not have predicted what God was going to do. I could not have uh, anticipated God doing anything more than what he did. He, he did more than I could ever ask or think. And I believe that there's a lot of people out there today who are following Jesus this morning. You're Christ followers. And you would say in your heart, I need more. I want infinitely more from God this morning. And can I tell you, Jesus 
It's desperate for you to have infinitely more in your life. Matter of fact, Jesus wants you to have more, more than you want to have more. Jesus wants you to have infinitely more of him in your life this morning. And from the very beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus began laying a foundation to show us what it was to live with infinitely more in our life. Have you ever noticed in scripture that um, whenever Jesus came to town, there was always a crowd. Whenever Jesus walked into town, there was always a crowd that formed. Social distancing was not to be seen. People were coming, clamoring together, rubbing shoulders, and they were getting tight, trying to listen to hear what Jesus had to say because they, they wanted more. They, they had heard about the miracles that he had done, and they wanted to hear from him. They wanted to see these great things. And so one day, Jesus, seeing the crowd, decided he was going to take this opportunity to teach them. I love Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 36. This is not on the screen, but uh, uh, it says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion for our lives and he wants us to have more, more of him, more of his blessing in our life today. And so Jesus climbs up on this mountainside and he begins to teach. And this teaching is best known as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've been in church like me all of your life, you know this teaching as the Beatitudes. And I used to remember that name by saying, this is the attitude God wants me to be. It was the Beatitude. And so Jesus climbs up on the mountain and he begins to teach the people how to follow him, how to become, how to learn how to to receive infinitely more. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so here Jesus lays out this rule book, if you will, of Christian living. And he goes on to teach more. He gets in depth about some real life issues such as a fulfillment of the law and prayer and fasting. And you'll find all of that in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But Jesus begins to, um, and and as Jesus is teaching these people, they're just blown away by the information that Jesus is giving to them. They've never heard teaching like this before. And so, and that is because these 
people were a product of over 400 years in Israel of not hearing the voice of a true prophet of God. And so they were just excited to hear from God in this way. And Jesus begins to wrap up his teaching. He kind of brings it all home by teaching a parable that we call the, uh, the wise and the foolish builders. And this was found in Matthew chapter 7. Beginning with verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, the idea of building a house really has a lot of similarities to building our Christian faith. Because our Christian faith is not built on one decision or one moment. But our Christian faith is built on multiple decisions and multiple moments. And Jesus wants to make sure that we have built our faith on a secure and permanent foundation, a foundation that will not be moved. You know, one of the oldest tools that builders use is the plumb line. And um, God uses a plumb line here in scripture to communicate his plan to the prophet Amos and the importance of staying in line with his command. We'll look here at Amos chapter seven, beginning with verse seven. It says, then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all of their sins. The pagan shrines of their ancestors will be ruined and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. And you gotta know that King Jeroboam was one of the most evil kings in the history of Israel. And the, uh, the illustration of the plumb line that God was using there was used thousands of years ago. And yet there's not a, a building site or a job site that's going on today anywhere around the world where the plumb line concept is not in use. If a builder doesn't use a plumb line, he risks having a faulty foundation or a crooked wall. And God tells Amos, and I want us to hear this, God tells Amos, if my people do not follow my instructions, they are risking their future. Listen, folks, if we do not stay close to God's instructions to our lives, we are risking our future. We're risking the very blessings of having infinitely more in our life. And God used Isaiah for the same message in Isaiah 28. He, uh, verse 17, he says, I will test you in, with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness. Because a plumb line really just shows a builder the exact line to follow. And God is declaring that there is only one way, one way to follow him. There is only one set 
a foundational structures that we can build on and that is the word of God. But here's the problem. We're living in a society, in a world today where people do not believe in an absolute truth. And many in our society, and I, I am sad to say that even within the church, do not believe that there is an absolute one way of living their life. And that's because people tend to make life decisions based on preferences and what will make them happy. And even if it's contrary to what God's word says, they feel that God's word is not relevant to their standard of life today. They believe that they don't need these outdated rules in their lives. And I can tell you that growing up, sometimes seeing the Christian life, it was just full of don'ts. Don't go here. Don't do this. Don't hang out with them. Don't watch this. Don't, don't, don't. But I can tell you that actually living the Christian life is the total opposite. It's about do's. It's about doing the things that God has prepared for you. It's about doing the infinitely more that God has for your life. You see, God has drawn a line this morning, but he's not daring any one of us to step over that line, but he's asking us to step on that line and to follow him. And if you stay committed to that line that God has drawn, then your life is going to be blessed and God's going to protect you and God's going to lead you. And who better to lead you than the one who created you and knows you the best? But listen, if you step off the line, if you break that bond, that relationship with God, God's not going to protect you. He's not going to guide you. He's not going to bless you. And you're going to find yourself surrounded by the enemy one day and you're going to be in total isolation and you may not make it because you stepped off that line. And it's why so many today are afraid and anxious with the current situation. And that's because they don't know what tomorrow will look like because they don't have the promises of God guarding their heart. I've got an illustration that I want to show you today. And uh, uh, in this illustration, we're, we're going to show you what a plumb line looks like. So if I can get my volunteers to come up and just stretch this line across the front of the stage really tight. And y'all just hold, hold your line really tight. Now, much like this line is stretched out across the stage, a builder would, he would tie one end of the rope to one end of the structure, to one corner of the structure, and he would tie the opposite end to the opposite end of the structure. And that way he would be ensured that his wall is going to be straight without a curve. And can I tell you that when Jesus was up on that mountainside teaching these people, in Matthew chapter five, he was drawing a line for you and me. He was showing us exactly the way we need to be living. He's telling us how we can live and have our lives blessed and how we can understand infinitely more of him in our life. Now, let me introduce our, our uh, volunteers over here. This is Wes. And Wes, he represents when Jesus found us and he called us to follow him. So Wes is when Jesus found us and he called us to follow him. And over here is Zach. And Zach represents our future. 
<laughs> a life of infinitely more that God has planned for us. So Wes, look at your future. I'm just... <laughs> and listen, each of us, we have this gap, this rope, if you will, this gap in our life between who we were and who God wants us to become. And from Jesus' teaching... He has drawn a line to show us how we can get from one place to the other by following those beatitudes, if you will, by following the, the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Jesus is showing us how we get from one end, who we are, to the other. And that is knowing our destiny, really, in Christ. Here's the problem, though. While Jesus desires for us to stay connected with him and to hold the line, and you guys just keep holding your line, Satan wants to throw us off. Satan desires for us to let go of our, our line, to loosen our grip. He wants us to step off the line. I mean, you might feel like even today that Satan is trying to ruin your finances or, or maybe destroy your marriage or cause you to become sick in your body. He may even be trying to implode your ministry. And I can tell you this, that if Satan can get us to step off the line just a little bit, you ever heard that, uh, the phrase, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile? Well, if Satan can get you to step off of that line just a little bit or loosen your grip just a little bit, then we have become relaxed and we begin, begin to compromise our living. And it often starts with small things. Maybe a, as you get into maybe your own line, you're going through the internet and you do a Google search and all of a sudden there's some inappropriate photos that show up on the corner, on the side of that, of that site that you've gone to. You're a little startled at first and you try to get off of there, but the more you keep searching for things, or maybe even go back to that particular site, those images continue to go, and, and you look more and more, and all of a sudden, a glance becomes an imagination, and you just begin to allow yourself to think in ways that are not healthy for us to think. This is part of Satan's plan, the temptation that he has, and listen, with us being at home and being on the internet more than we are, this is a real threat to our Christian walk. We need to be careful with what we allow our eyes to see, what our mind to think about. It might happen when you're, you're tempted to gossip about someone or to maybe to tell a little white lie or to act greedy or selfish or to have unkind thoughts with, with, about someone. And you know where I'm going here. Satan is just trying to get us to step off the line and... Uh, and he, he wants to destroy the, the relationship that we have with God by stepping off that line and going in a totally different direction. Satan doesn't destroy your life in just one moment, but Satan destroys your life in moments of compromise. As you continue to make those, those decisions over and over again to go against what God has set the standard for your life. And all of a sudden something tragic happens and if you guys would just drop the line... And if you'll see across this line, it's no longer straight. We've heard the old adage, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And that holds true for us, but 
when this line is no longer straight, when there's curves and twists that are in the road, it takes us longer to get from who we are to where God wants us to be. And these are the, the, the places where Satan wants us to get off. Matter of fact, he just doesn't want us to get back on the line at all. And so, and you guys, thank you so much for your help this morning. When you're not holding the line that God has drawn for you, you risk falling apart. You risk the things that you most care about crumbling. And one day the winds will blow and the storms of life will come and your foundation will be tested. And if your life is not built firmly on the word of God, it will crumble. So how do we keep from pulling away and stepping off the line? I got two points for you today. Number one, hold tight to your commitment to God. Earlier, I made a comment, a statement in my message that said, our faith is not built on just one moment or one decision, but on multiple moments and multiple decisions. Your walk with Jesus Christ may have started when you knelt at an altar and asked him to come into your life or, or maybe in your bedroom or wherever it was you were at when you asked Jesus to come into your life. But your relationship with God was based on multiple decisions after that. The next day, you had to get up and you had to declare, I'm going to follow Christ today. And the next day, you had to get up and declare, I'm going to follow Christ today. And upon that foundation of declarations that you made becomes your commitment. Your commitment to follow Christ. And we strengthen our commitment to God by having a consistent life with Him. By having consistent devotion with him. Read your Bible every day and familiarize yourself with God's word. Get God's word in your heart. I often pray every day, God, engrave your word on my heart. Because it's God's word that's going to help us fight against the enemy when he comes and he tempts us. Listen, each one of us have been tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. But how did he fight the enemy there in the wilderness? By God's word by the word that was given to him. And we need to have that word engraved in our hearts so that we can combat and come against the enemy when he comes against us at those moments. We also need to develop a prayer life that will allow you to listen as much as, if not more, than you talk to God. Listen, listening to God is just as important as talking to God, if not more so. I'd rather hear what he had to say than him, him to hear what I had to say. And this way we recognize God's voice for our life. And God's voice helps us to hold tight to that grip. God's voice helps us to stay on that line. And my second point this morning is hold tight to your commitment to others. You see, when Jesus was up on the mountain and he was giving these this crowd of people the Sermon on the Mount, if you will. He was drawing a straight line, not only to himself, but he was drawing a straight line for us to connect with one another. Guard your heart and your responses and commit to living in such a way that will bring a blessing to God. Be a blessing to other people. Commit to being a faithful member at church. 
Commit to being a faithful small group participant. Guard your heart. Strengthen your grip by holding on to that line. Be with other people. Create a healthy accountability in your life. Give permission to a trusted friend or a mentor to speak into your life and to help you to hold tight to the grip, to the line that God has given to you. My hope and my prayer this morning is that you will not be satisfied with just surviving in your walk with Christ, but that you will be thriving for more, infinitely more of God's presence, infinitely more of God's power in your life. Go after it as if it was gold. Go after it with a heart of passion and desire. God has given us all the access to Him that we need. Everything that God has belongs to us. We have access to that. It's not that we need more of God. It's that we need to let God have more of us. So begin to pray and ask God to to take more of you. God, help me to release these things in my life that have become a barrier, that have caused me to loosen my grip, have caused me to step off of that line. Maybe today you're desire for infinitely more means that you need to ask Jesus to come into your life and to be your Savior and your Lord. And by this, you can have infinitely more, an infinitely more experience by praying this simple prayer. And I'm going to pray this prayer and I want you to pray it after me if you need Jesus in your life this morning. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you in my life today. I know that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me for my sin this morning. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth and that you died and that you rose again. And I turn from my sins this morning and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer with us this morning, listen, you are a new person in Christ this morning. And this is what I'd like for you to do. You'll see on the screen, there's a text that you can send EC saved to 97000 and by sending that text we will know that you prayed this prayer and you accepted Jesus in your life today and we just want to celebrate with you today even though we're not here in person to be able to rejoice with you at an altar we can celebrate with you virtually and let you know we are so glad that you've made this decision today. And listen, if you did pray that prayer, we want to invite you in just a moment. We're going to have communion. And we want to invite you to come and have communion with us today. And so, in just a second, we're going to give you an opportunity to go get your communion elements. Whatever it may be, whether it's a piece of bread, bagel, maybe a Pop-Tart. Uh, just make sure it's not a frosted Pop-Tart. I don't know. Maybe it could be a frosted, but Jesus wants you to have infinitely more. So maybe a frosted Pop-Tart would be good. But just whatever it is that you, that you have with you today, we're going to give you just a moment to go and to get those elements and we'll come back and we'll take communion together.
Well, I hope that you um, have your communion elements there in front of you. If you'll allow me to, I'm just going to uh, go ahead and open mine. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Jesus was with his disciples and they were taking Passover for the, for the last time while he was on earth. Scripture tells us that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we pray over the bread this morning? Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to come and to lay down his life that we might know life, infinitely more life in you today. We thank you, Father, for his broken body. And we thank you, God, for the healing that takes place within uh, Jesus's broken body. And I pray this morning for those who need a healing touch in their bodies today, God. Lord, I pray that you will touch and minister your healing power to them right now in Jesus' name. We give you thanks for your body this morning. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Can we pray over the cup this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood this morning. We thank you for the, for the forgiveness of sin that we have today. I thank you, God, that today we can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Those who have prayed that prayer and accepted you because of your shed blood, that you have washed away their sins this morning. We thank you, God, for the power that's in the blood of Jesus. And Father, today we just thank you for the blessings that come along with just knowing you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup this morning. God bless you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth, and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.